0: How about that? And remembering it. Let's take our Bibles this afternoon and... I've messed that up already. That is, man, 22 years of afternoons, it's uh, its hard. I just said morning. You can explain that why you say that. There's a people that haven't been here before. Yeah, we've... We, uh, Paradise Valley. Man, a tough time. Um, That's a long time ago. But um, Ruby Valley Bible Church, we've been meeting here since... Nineteen ninety nine? Yes. And for all of those years except for the last couple months, we've been meeting in the afternoons. So that good afternoon comes easily <laughs> for me. But but we are in the morning and you have not missed. But let's go to Mark today, the gospel of Mark. And we come to literally the final miracle, the final healing, if you will, before Jesus goes to the cross, and ultimately the greatest miracle his resurrection after his death and burial. But we'll find it in Mark chapter 10. We'll be looking at uh, corollary passages as well in the other Gospels, but I'd like to read the one out of Mark. Mark chapter 10, we'll begin reading at verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried to more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called a blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto you? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. May God add a special blessing to reading of his word. Let's just pause for prayer prior to our study this after, this morning. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your concern for us your compassion, which again is unfolded in these verses that we've just read. Jesus's compassion drove him to action. It was amazing how he could not stop his love overflowing to those that he came in contact with. Uh, Father, this morning, this day that you've made, we will rejoice and be glad in it because we're here, gathered around your word, gathered together corporately to worship and to uplift your name. And now, Father, as these moments... We'll surround the Word. We'll ask that the Holy Spirit exclusively would be our teacher. And we would be open to receive what you have for us so that we can be more like Jesus Christ, our mentor, our model, our Savior, our God. He was met by this blind man who his heart saw before he could see him physically. Thank you for what you'll unfold today, again, leaning, searching the Scriptures asking the Spirit to guide us. Take us now where you want us to be in Christ's name. Amen. As I've said uh, that this actually is the last miracle that Jesus performs on his way to Jerusalem. He's about to enter the last week of his life physically. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And Laramie, I might ask one more time if you'd throw the map up on the wall for a moment. And uh, just to give us, I'm I'm a Geography. I want to know where things are. I want to know why they're happening. I want to know where they're at. And uh, Jericho is the place that we find in, in this verse. There's actually two, we're going to be talking about him later if time uh, allows or permits. But uh, there's two men, there's two examples of salvation that takes place in this town called Jericho. Um, there's one that actually happens in Luke chapter 19. Uh, here's our map. Um, I've lost my pointer somewhere, but it's, it's here. Um, we know that he's been traveling in the studies we've been taking the last number of weeks. Uh, Jesus has been moving from Galilee, from his Capernaum ministry, going on the west side of the Jordan River, traveling through Perea. He's been basically engaging in, dis- in teaching the disciples, almost exclusively, even though there's crowds, and there's a large crowd today again, that we're unfolding and covering. But he is wanting for those disciples to know as much as possible before he's going to leave them. And he's not very far away. He's been saying, last week we looked at it together, three times he said, guys, get ready. Uh, We're going to Jerusalem where I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be scourged. And he even said in Matthew, I will be crucified. And the disciples are just totally aghast by that because that's not in their plan. That's not in their program. Wait a minute. Isn't the kingdom coming? Aren't you going to be the king? Like we're going to be, remember James and John. I want you to keep that in mind. This is quite a quite an offset and a comparison between this man we've just met in the scriptures, blind Bartimaeus. And he was asked of Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? There was two other gentlemen and their mother that came as we looked at the passages a couple of weeks ago that came with with a, a, a request as well. James and John and their mother Salome asked for them to be on his right hand and his left hand. And you know Jesus didn't answer that request did he or he didn't permit it he said that's in God's hands it's the same question as we think about that he's coming now and he's slipping down and he's going to have would have crossed the Jordan River just going into Jericho now he's on his way to Jerusalem there's a little town of Bethany I'll be talking about that in a moment as well but Jericho to Jerusalem is about 18 miles it's a three-day three-day journey typically why would it take that long it's straight in the air Do you know what the elevation is of Jericho? I'm going to tell you. That's why you're not going to answer, right? It's minus 846 feet. It's literally in a hole right beside the Jordan River. Now, to go to Jerusalem, the elevation of Jerusalem is 2,474 feet. So it's like 3,500 feet in 18 miles. It's literally from a hole straight up on top to Jerusalem. Uh, Jericho is a really cool place. No in the sense of it was very mild. It was a Mediterranean. It was actually very, very warm. In fact, you could have snow in Jerusalem, and Josephus, even a, a Jewish historian, said that the people in Jericho would actually just wear linen. It was, it was just a really mild place. It was known as a city of palm trees. And if you think of that, uh, that's pretty crazy in itself. But it was, it was kind of like this pocket. They had springs that uh, would fed into the city. There was irrigation. There was a root, I'm sorry, a bush, a balsam. A bush of which there was medicinal purposes. It was only there. And there, that word Jericho actually means fragrance. There was that sense of fragrance that came from this city. Very old, thought to be maybe the oldest city in the world. We'll be talking a bit about that in its historical aspects as well. But This is where we find Jesus today. Jesus is in Jericho. And he's going to be there for just a short period of time, because the second individual, I don't know if Bartimaeus was before, because it's not given in Mark, but in Luke, both of those particular gentlemen, and actually, there's two blind men. Let's go to Matthew for a moment, and we find that Bartimaeus is the only one named, but let's go to Matthew for a moment, chapter 20, and let's see the parallel passage that Matthew gives to us concerning the same event. Let's see. Yeah, uh, Matthew chapter 20, will begin at verse 29. This is the same uh, Mark's uh, passage in Mark, but this is from Matthew's perspective. As they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out. Did you see that? It was how many blind men? Two. two. Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will you that I should do unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. So it's interesting, in Matthew, there's two blind men. Now, Bartimaeus is the only one named. One of the things that, does that bother you? That probably doesn't, but how many other blind people have been named in the Gospels? None. This is the only one. Is it because he's the last one? I don't, probably not. Uh, this is the last miracle. And thinking of all of the tracking that's been taking place in those three years, the first miracle that Jesus ever performed was way up north by Galilee, a little town outside of Nazareth called Cana, and he turned the water into wine. That's where all of this journey started. He's literally canvassed the entire country, sharing his compassion. That word, I'll tell you what, if it isn't something. The the religious leaders demanded that he show them a sign. He never did. But when he was touched with his love and compassion by someone that needed, again, you see it, blind Bartimaeus, he hears this man shouting. The word is shouting, yelling Jesus' name out. And he stopped. What stopped him? His love, his compassion, like it always did. We find his power over all of the different maladies and all of the different circumstances. He's, he's powerful over everything, but the thing that really drove him to action, mark it, is compassion. That's what drove our Father. We think of today being Father's Day. This is our Father's world, and you think what God the Father has done for us. He's provided a Savior, a Savior to save those that were lost. In fact, let's go to Luke's uh, passage now. Uh, It will be the third one and the final one of this particular unfolding of blind Bartimaeus. Let's go to Luke chapter uh, 19, I believe it is, verses 1 through 10. And probably the most significant verse... And all of the Gospels, for sure, and maybe within Scripture, is given to us in the last world read. Uh, Luke chapter 19, we'll begin reading at verse 1. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, one of the things, let's talk about this. I don't have the real answer, probably, but it's hopefully helpful. It, if you follow it and you've m- uh, meticulously looked at the wording of where he was, the first one, he was in Jericho. The one in Matthew said he was leaving Jericho. And this one said he's entering Jericho. Hmm, right? That's a little weird. Uh, what's that all about? Well, one of the things we know from historical settings of Jericho is there's probably two of them. There would have been the, the uh, old Jericho of which, remember back in the, New, in the Old Testament, in Joshua, literally the walls fell out. That's what's really cool because the Bible is exactly what it said happened. That, you, know, they walked, you know the story. They walked around the walls of Jericho and literally the, when they excavated, archaeologically, that the walls did not fall from in from the battle of pushing them in, they actually fell out. What that is crazy, the Bible's right. Imagine that. God did exactly what he said he did, and and the excavations show that to be true. That site, according to Dr. Warren Wiersbe, is a mile away from this Jericho, of which Herod would have built a palace and a temple. This was a very famous place. This was very, very well thought out. It was one that was very, I would say, prominent. But they weren't on the same site. So my thought is, the high possibility, that the entering and leaving, he's obviously in the proximity of Jericho, but which one? I'm not sure, but doesn't that make more sense? It really does. And anyway, let's keep going. Those of you that were, were questioning that potentially, or maybe weren't, we shared it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on our way. We're, we're going through Jericho, and let's go on now, verse 2. No, no, where did I leave you? We're at 18. I was going on to my next story. Let's go, verse 36. And hearing the multitude pass by, chapter 18 of Luke, he asked what he meant. Oh, this is new information. This is new information. So here we have our individual, our two, as Matthew shared to us, two blind men. At the side of the road, what do we know about blind men? Is they're probably begging. Uh, the other thing I want to say in general is the theology from the religious leaders, those that were in control of the thought processes spiritually, that literally, if you are blind, there has been sin, and God has judged you. If you go back to, uh, I believe it's Luke chapter 9, that you will find there was, a, remember the disciples were approached, there was, there was a man that was born blind, and they asked this question because it fit the theology of the times. Did he sin, or are or his parents sin for him to be born blind? You see what I'm saying? If you were blind in this day and age, you were thought to be judged by God, or if things weren't going well, and you need to turn back to the book of Job, and you can find that his friends showed up and were consoling him and said, Job, you've obviously done something wrong. You better get it right. And that's the thought process, and it goes on today. It has, By the way, it has nothing to do with how God operates. Uh, chastening, uh, in some senses, where there has been disciplinary action required, that's good for the the believer. Now in the sense of trials, the scriptures are pretty clear, count it all joy, brother, when you fall into various trials and temptations because that worketh patience. It makes you more mature. All of these things are working that way. Now I'm not we have no idea the blind Bartimaeus, his the result of or how he became blind or any of that, but the point of the matter is he would have been seen from the out from the outside from society as being a very low on the rung of societal elevation of being very low. He would have been judged by God and would be an outcast. Therefore, if you're blind and an outcast, guess what you get to do for a living? You're a beggar. And where would be the best place to beg? At the side of the road of a prominent roadway. Now, let's keep this in mind. As we have our map up here, we also know what's approaching is the, the Passover season. That's why we would have a great deal of migration coming from Galilee and the northern part of Israel coming down to meet in Jerusalem for Passover week. That was a big deal. And most of them would have been coming through Perea on the west side of the Jordan River. Why? Because on the east side is Samaria, and they saw them as, I, just, I, I don't know what words to say other than they just saw them as half-breeds. They were, not, they, were, they were cursed by God. So rather than take the short route, we go on the other side of the river to take the right route. Okay? So all of that would have been taking place. The, the, the crowd following Jesus would have been on their way to the Passover. We're about a week away. From Jesus' death here, and so it's a very busy place, a very busy city. Let's continue on. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you what I was going to tell you. <laughs> so in this normal hubbub of where Mr. Bartimaeus would have been, you know what his name? You know what his name really means. Bar means son, son of Timaeus. So he was the son of Timaeus, which is Bartimaeus. That was revealing, wasn't it? At any rate, Mr. Bartimaeus is on the side of the road, and he's sitting there begging. And all of a sudden, he hears more commotion than normal. Couldn't see anything. But that's why he said, what's going on? What's happening? There's something coming. There's something. I can feel this commotion. And they said, well, Jesus of Nazareth, the guy from Nazareth. And to, wait a minute. Mr. Bartimaeus doesn't get out very often. What would that matter? Look what he says. This is how he responds to this Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, verse 36 again. Hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. What's going on here? And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passes by. Watch this now. And he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't say Jesus of Nazareth. He said what? He said, son of David. Now that's significant. That's significant. This man, of course, living in Israel, would have been steeped in Old Testament law. When you say son of David, you have declared something that is really lofty. You have just said, Jesus, the Messiah. Because the son of David would have been that throne holder, the one that was coming to literally sit on the throne of David from that line. For him to say that was very revealing that he saw Jesus the Messiah without physically seeing anyone. That's pretty cool. He's coming with everything. He is calling him Lord. He is literally, and here's the other thing. You know what, Bartimaeus? He could care less what anybody thought about him. They told him to be quiet. That's so loud. Shh, just leave, knock it off. He just yelled, the and the words that are used, it is an intense yelling and shouting. Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. You can, am I loud enough yet? I could do it louder, but I just want you to imagine, because I want you to slip into the shoes of these people that were there that day, traveling this, this roadway. Uh, this is also, I want to say about Jericho, the next man that we'll meet probably later today, maybe even next week, I don't know. Uh, he was also there in this city. He was very rich, actually. He's one that we want to compare to the rich young ruler. Remember that guy? Here's this rich young, I mean, he was the hit. He was the one, if you were going to say, there's a goer, there's someone that's going to be at the top of the heap because he's smart, he's rich, he's got it together, and he's also following the law. What could be better? It's the only individual we know that actually approached Jesus, talked to him, and left in a worse condition than he came because Jesus nailed it. He just knew where to push. Isn't that something, Jesus? Does God know where to push in your life? He can ask questions and... Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, right? Well, and this rich young ruler, he pushed the button, and he said, you know what? Uh, so far, you're deceiving yourself. You've, said if you've kept all of the law. You've kept it in every way. Oh, there's just one thing left. You need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, was that what was going to take him to heaven, give him eternal life? No, but that's what was keeping him, his love of wealth, his love of power, his love of all of the things that earth wants you to grab onto. Jesus said, release those, and literally, you will see strength of who I am. And what does it say? He went away sorrowful. Well, this man we're going to meet in Jericho was more despised than our blind guy. I'm going to talk about him for a moment because it just seems like these two lives paralleling. They're in the same city. They're both named, which seems odd. Here's what my suggestion is on that. It's very possible that the readership of the Gospels, Mark and Luke particularly, that the names that they used for the blind beggar and for this tax collector literally have been recognizable to the readership as they would have read those. It's very thought, highly thought historically that Bartimaeus actually became a, a leader in the church, going from the outcast, literally, to being on the inside of, church, of, of God building a church. Well, this other man that we find in Jericho is he's lower than a blind beggar. What? How could that possibly be? Yes, there's one way that you unanimously can be the loser of the entire region in Israel, and that is to be a tax collector. (laughs) And literally, you've heard of our franchises. Uh, I I don't know all of them, but I think McDonald's is a franchise, and probably all of the fast food joints. are. There's all kinds of franchises. Literally, believe this or not, the Roman Empire, they chose to enlist by selling a franchise to a tax collector. You could buy an area, if you will. And then it was all, the the government had their take, Uh, the Romans. They said, you need to have this much for us, and the rest is wide open. You can do anything you want to do, whatever is within your own conscience, so to speak, or in most tax collectors, Mm conscience-less. They took it all. They took as much as they could possibly get. And it's said of Mr what's his name? You know who it is, Zacchaeus. Here's an interesting one. Uh, Just laying that out, the tax collector, and he was ruthless. I'm going to tell you that. He was short and he was really mean. And we know that because of how he responded later on. We'll be looking at that. But Zacchaeus, do you know what that word means? His parents had high lofty thoughts for this young baby that was born in their home. And Zacchaeus, the name means, are you ready? Pure or innocent. Now, think of this. I'm jumping in with having him read the passage, but here's Jesus walking in, Jer- in Jericho. These are the only two conversions we find in this high scale level of Jericho. Herod is here. He's built a palace, he's built a home, and actually literally went back there to die. There's a lot of famous people in Jericho, but the two that Jesus sought out were a beggar, a blind beggar, and Zacchaeus, the ruthless tax collector. They're not just a tax collector. He was the overall, ta- he was like the top of the pyramid. He had this, all of his thugs that he had over, uh, that he was over the top of that literally would take from them. He was the crook of crooks. And then think of this. I, I can't, I can't stop it. I just can't stop it. So Zacchaeus, he's looking for Jesus, but you know what? Jesus was looking for him. Jesus was seeking him. And can you imagine Zacchaeus, this little guy, right? And he climbs in the sycamore tree, which would be very, a fairly low tree and fairly easy because the branches were more broad, not straight in the air. So he's kind of hiding behind the leaves because it would have been springtime and the trees would, trees would have been leafed out. So you would almost be incognito, if you will. And he wants to get up front. Of, and it's just like a little kid. He ran out in front, gets up into the sycamore tree, and he's going to watch for this Jesus that he's heard a lot about. Now, keep in mind, He's despicable. He couldn't even go into the synagogue. He couldn't even go worship if he wanted to because he was a tax collector. Are you starting to get his reputation around town? And he was the chief of the tax collectors because Jericho was one of three tax centers. These were were, um, regional tax centers. Jericho was one of those. And I think Zacchaeus was the king of that city, of that distribution center, if you will. So he's in the tree, and Jesus is walking along this throng, this mob, just like, remember, blind Bartimaeus? He's yelling at the top of his lungs, and Jesus stopped, and he says, bring him to me. Compassion stopped him. So now we're walking. Jesus looks up at this tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down, because I must go to your house today. Now, that must have shocked and rocked Mr. Zacchaeus, right? You guys, if there's ever a, a well-told Sunday school story, it's the one about Zacchaeus, the wee little man, right? That guy. That, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. There was a really big story there. For Jesus to have stopped and literally to have this despicable man, I'm using the words that society would have gauged with him, is amazing. These are the two people. Got it? These are the two people in the city of Jericho that Jesus reached out to, and literally were both saved. And I'm using that word, saved. Yes, Bartimaeus was healed, but he's also saved. We'll look at that in a moment. Zacchaeus, we find out, we'll find in Luke chapter 19 as we go further along that trail. Literally, that man's life was changed that day. That day. Man, this is great stuff, isn't it? Where's the Herods? Where are they following? Where are they at today? You know, there's really good news for us here today. That God is the same. He's the same today as he was yesterday and before. He's timeless. He never changes. Just as those social outcasts were saved by God the Father through Jesus. Jesus was on his route to finish the job. When he said his last three words, I'm so glad they were his last three words. He said, it is finished. It's done. It's finished. And then God proved it. Three days later in the tomb. He raises him from the dead. The greatest miracle of all time. That's the only reason I stand before you today. If Jesus would still be in the tomb, I would have no reason to be here. Because he could not have conquered death. Without conquering death, have no reason to worship a God that can't get that done. Anyone's religion that does not have a Savior that rose from the dead is grossly overrated. Grossly overrated. Because that's, what we, that's our enemy. That's what sin and death is all about. Satan has held it over our heads. Anyone that's ever been into sin, and guess what? That's all of us, according to Romans. Everyone has fallen into sin. There's no one that is seeking after God. And here we have this Jesus of Nazareth on his way to be crucified for us. And he takes time out for a blind beggar. Isn't that amazing? And he takes time out for us. If you're seeking him, he is there. In fact, it's even more than that. What brought Zacchaeus out of his house to climb into a tree? Well, you could say curiosity. I'm here to say the Holy Spirit. God himself was working on that man's heart, and he was going to have to do something with what he was told to act on to be in the place for Jesus to meet him. Jesus didn't go to his house first. Keep that in mind. There was a seeking curiosity soul that would say, I need to know more about this. When I see someone that wants to know more about the Bible, wants to know more about Jesus, wants to know more about God, God will honor that. In Jeremiah it says, seek him while he may be found. This is that day in America. This is this day in in the world. We're so chaotic. We're so messed up. We're so, so absent from truth. But you know what? The same God that chose those two men, outcasts in Jericho, is the same God today that is looking for men and women that will trust him by faith, just like those two men did on that day. That's amazing, isn't it? That's a God that I can say, I want to be in that place where that God rules and reigns. I don't know why, it just keeps pressing on me. Actually, it just just hit me like just before when service started today, and it just banged me. I'm not going to have to say it several times. I'm going to leave it to the very end, I can't do it. Just banging inside of me. You think of Jericho and all of its history. I said, it's probably the oldest city known on the earth. And yes, it's been destroyed, and yes, it's been rebuilt. But in that area, and I was thinking, these are the two men, these social outcasts. But there was a man visiting that city, His name was Jesus Christ, and literally he had a descendant, or he was the descendant of a person that lived in that city literally millennia before that. That time frame when those walls, because God said, walk around that walls, and I will bring those walls down, and they fell to the outside, there was a woman inside those walls that didn't know much about God, but she knew from all of the facts that had come across, that God took care of these Israelite people by parting the Red Sea, saving them from the Egyptians. And she said, that must be quite a God. That woman was saved as well. She was a harlot. She was a prostitute in the city of Jericho, and her name was Rahab, and she was David's great-great-grandfather, the son, Boaz, that she bore from her husband. That happened in Jericho. And that Jesus that was foretold to be living Breathing, reigning on the throne of David, was walking these streets of Jericho and saved those two men. Talk about mercy, talk about grace. And he's here today, 2022, in America, in Montana, in Sheridan, reaching out, seeking those that. Let's keep reading. It's amazing how long it's taking me to read 10 verses, isn't it? Let I me mean, keep reading. Uh, lost my glasses. Okay. I didn't need these 20 years ago. Luke chapter 18. They which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace, but they cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He knew he didn't deserve anything. Have mercy on me. What is mercy? Tell me the difference between mercy and grace. You guys know it, but let's think about it. What's what's mercy versus grace? We sing about grace. We sing about mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Correct? Yeah, it's I deserve this but I didn't get it. Uh, This this blind Bartimaeus said, have mercy. I don't deserve anything from you, Jesus of Nazareth. No, no, that's not what he said. Son of David, the Messiah, I don't deserve anything from you. Please have mercy on me. Oh, isn't that a heart of desperation? Think about the rich, wrong ruler now. I I want you to think about the difference between him and Zacchaeus as you're thinking about that little guy, right? They were both rich. They were both wealthy. But you know what? Zacchaeus came with a hungry heart. The rich young ruler came with a pompous, I just want more of the same. I want eternal life so that it's just like this. I have it my way every day, all day, for eternity. That's what I want. I want an added-on package of an accessory of eternal life. There was no desperation in the rich young ruler's life. There is desperation in blind Bartimaeus. We've just seen it. And there's also desperation in the sense of finding truth from little Zacchaeus. He had an empty heart, didn't he? Zacchaeus. He had lots of money. He was rich. He was over the top, in fact. He was ruthless. He was winning. But he was searching. He was desperate. Just like Melody Bartimaeus, he said, have mercy on us, me. Jesus stood, commanded him to be brought unto him, and when he was come near, he asked him, what will you that I should do unto you? And he said, Lord, I may receive my sight. Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. Yes, he could see, but literally his faith is what saved him as well. Spiritually, that man became saved today. day. How do we know that? What happened? What what proved the fact that blind Bartimaeus was saved that day spiritually? What was it? He followed him. Matthew's account says both of those blind men followed Jesus after they were healed and and glorified God. They were worshiping this man on that morning. They had no idea who he was. They didn't know what he was. They they were even on the parade route. They asked, what's all the commotion? Oh, that's Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Just like that. Now, he believed everything that he had been told. Mark that carefully. He knew as much as he knew, but he had faith on everything he'd heard about Jesus. Never seen him. Isn't that cool? How many of those people, the religious leaders said, show us a sign and we'll believe? That wouldn't have helped Bartimaeus. He couldn't see anything. But you know what? His heart... Saw exactly what he needed to say. His faith was vibrant and alive because he had trusted God at every level that he knew to be God. That's blind Bartimaeus. And that faith, that faith literally saved him. What was it that saved Rahab? Going way back into Jericho's history. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and find out. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's take a look. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. Hebrews 11. Oh, I'm in 10. That won't work. Verse 31. Here we go. We'll start in uh, verse 29. This is actually the uh, event that Rahab knew, as she told the spies back in Joshua. But chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 29, By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians a saying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them, that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. How was blind Bartimaeus saved? How was his sight revealed? By faith. Jesus said, by faith, you have literally been saved. By faith. That's how Rahab was saved from demise in Jericho. Now let's think back. The request that Jesus, or that Jesus responded to in blind Bartimaeus, he said, what is it she you want? Uh, you, remember, you remember James and John and their mother, came to him and said, Jesus, and listen, listen carefully, this, this is truly a child, this is adolescence. Um, Jesus, listen carefully, um, we want you to do whatever we ask. <laughs> if you had a little child like that, that's like kind of four, five, six-year-old stuff, right? And they'll say, um, Daddy, could you give me whatever I want before I ask for it? Right? That's what they were doing. And then Jesus said this. He said, what is it that you want me to do for you? And then they said, well, we would like to have one on the right hand and one on the left hand of you when you're in your kingdom. He just told them he was going to be crucified. (laughs) Went right over their head. (laughs) Wrong, Right? Oh, Jesus must have, I I think Jesus sighed a lot. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you knew they didn't get it. It was no new information, but it was just like, really? (laughs) Well, yeah, really, that's really what happened. And you know what? He did not provide the request. Blind Bartimaeus, he says, have mercy on me. Lord, and that, that word Lord is exactly, in fact, one of the, the texts says, Rabboni, my master, my Lord. In fact, he is literally calling this one before him that he cannot see yet. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christos, the anointed one, the son of David, the coming one, he gave him who he was, he gave him everything that he was. And guess what? Jesus said, your faith hath healed you, or hath saved you. And he took off and followed him. Wow. It's all going good, isn't it? There's a difference. All three of those that we've named in Jericho, Rahab, blind Bartimaeus, and actually technically would be his friend, his other blind friend that's not named, and Zacchaeus, which we're going to take a look at now. All of those responded with the same response that it will take for us in 2022. We'll have to respond by believing what God said. We'll have to go against the odds. I'm thinking of the Red Sea. That was described when we just read it. Um, what, what What stance would you take? Let's say you're in the front row, and Moses puts his stick out there, and all of a sudden, the walls of the sea just backs up, and there's this hole in the sea which is pretty formidable because here comes the Egyptians at a high rate of speed. And, it, and, you know, the Israelites, of course, I don't know what you're thinking, Moses. Great, now we want all this, clon- and they're going to kill us anyway, you idiot. Why did you do this for us? Blah, 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 blah. You know how whining is. Whining goes on for a long time, right? Whine, 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 whine. And they're whining. And, and Moses is, okay, God, really, what is the mission? What are we doing here? What is going to happen? He said, Moses, just relax, just relax. Is, has God told you that once in a while when you think he's late? God is never late. He's always on time perfectly. We think he's late because we need to learn that he's in charge of time, place, and circumstance because when we get that, we respond by faith. Anyway, so here you go. There's a hole through the sea. That's pretty cool. But would you be the first one to step into that? Because there would be somebody there saying, that's highly illogical. And somewhere gravity is going to take over, and that thing is going to come down, and you will be drowned, right? You could do those studies, probably an impact study, you know, an environmental impact. This is crazy. This can't possibly withstand this kind of stuff. So run at your own risk. Run at your own risk. Would you be that first one to step in? It was faith, wasn't it? It was faith. It was faith that got that done. It was faith that Rahab took chances. She was dead as good as dead if they would have found out that she would have helped those spies. Now, it's interesting. She lied about the spies to her king of Jericho, but she's not praised for lying. She's praised for responding by faith because she responded by protecting the spies and then being ready to go. When I mean, again, okay, here, here, okay here's the strategy, guys. We're going to take Jericho, and yes, God speaking, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. Because I promised I will give you the land on the other side of the Jordan. It's, it's yours. Uh, you just have to follow my directions. Okay, here's the plan. Now, Jericho, I'm sure Joshua had all of his, his team, his military might, gathered up, and we're going to take them out. Because that's how wars are won. You do it with might and power, right? Well, you guys are really, yeah, you should have, <laughs> right, that's it. God said, here's the plan. I want you to go to Jericho, and you walk around the city one time, and then you go home. And tomorrow you're going to do the same thing. But on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times, and you're going to break your lanterns, and it's going to, the walls are going to fall down. Ah, uh, someone else got another plan. Let's look at another one. But you know what? It says Joshua and the people believed him. They believed God. They did. You know how they believe? You know how we know that? Because he did it. <laughs> You got to show up. Faith is not inactive. This is really important. If we say we're obeying God, it's not talking about it. It's not reading the Bible and just talking about it. Are we doing it? Are we literally diving in and obeying what He's calling us to do? That's what they did. And I'm telling. So what? Again, slip into those boots. You're on the group, and you're walking around the city of Jericho, and you've went around six times. <laughs> And you were part of the team that walked around once six days previous, and here you are, sixth time around you your sin. This isn't gonna work, is it? <laughs> <laughs> one more time, what's one more time gonna do? It works because God said to do it that way. That's what's happening to our families. We don't do it God's way. That's why churches aren't working. We're not doing it God's way. Everything that God has laid out, everything that He's said in His Word, when we do it that way, it works. And we don't do it that way, it doesn't work. Well, you know, they walked the seventh time, and lo and behold, just like God said, the walls fall down to the outside. So he kind of had to get back. You know, most of the time, any enemy encroachment would have pushed the walls in and then conquered. No, nope, these walls fell out. What do you think the people in Jericho were thinking right now? They were laughing, I'm sure watching these guys walk around the wall. It probably was funny by the seventh day. Oh, here they come again. Look at these clowns. They're going to walk around the wall. Let's watch them. Today was different because God had said and done exactly as he said he would do. And what was the key? Faith. Active faith. Blind Bartimaeus. He believed everything that Jesus said. And yes, he needed help to get to Jesus. But when he was given the request, he asked what was the most obvious? Have mercy on me. Please give me my sight. And he got more than that. His heart saw Jesus before his eyes did. But when his eyes saw Jesus, he was healed and literally saved and followed him. I'm wondering if he actually wasn't even in the upper room of those 120 disciples that had followed him at Pentecost. Not thinking that he was named because people would have known him when they read the book of Mark. That's how he got saved? Oh, that is so cool, right? That's how he... I'm sure that's the way it is because there's people that you know that God worked a miraculous work inside their heart that changed them forever. And you say, that person? Yeah, that person. It's the same God that lives on this planet today. He's reaching out. He's seeking. Let's take a look at Zacchaeus for a moment. Zacchaeus. Let's go back to uh, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 take a look. We'll start in verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. So again, he's in Jericho. He's in the region. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. In other words, he was the chief tax collector. Interesting enough, remember early on in Luke, uh, it was said of Jesus, he's a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, that is not a nice thought. That is something that's not well thought of. In other words, who is this guy? He spends all his time with the creeps and the criminals and the tax collectors and the... Who is he? That was, that was a slam. Now, think for this. I want to come back to... Just hit me on out right now. Blind Bartimaeus. To be blind, what did we say? That's actually was thought to be a judgment from God. It was a scorn or a... a um, I'll just leave it at that, that God is being judged. You are under, you're cursed. That's what I'm like, you should be cursed. You remember what Jesus called the religious leaders? Oh, you blind leaders leading the blind. You know how, that was pretty spiteful. Because if you thought that you were blind because God was cursing you, Jesus just told you, you are blind, which means what? You have no part of God. Oh, no wonder they loved him so much, right? But he had a way of just getting right to the, Right to the bottom. He knew just where to push. I think of the woman at the well, right? <laughs> um, why don't you go get your husband? Let's have a conversation. Well, uh, technically speaking, sir, I don't have a husband. You are so right. You've been married five times before. I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> no way, right? But you know what? At that end of the day, her life was changed as well. She met the Savior. The Savior was seeking her. Why did he send the disciples off? Because men did not speak to women, let alone Samaritan women, getting water at a well in the middle of the day. That's not where men are. But she was there, and Jesus needed to meet her. He was seeking her. Do you see this? Let's watch Zacchaeus. He is sought out by our Savior. Chapter 19 again of Luke. We'll start again at verse 1. Jesus entered past through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. Oh, that's interesting. He sought to see Jesus, who he was. Not any more than that. Who, who is this guy? Now, again, we know that there would have been a crowd of people gathered around him. Oh, there's another thing I forgot to tell you. It's really important, too. Because I think this would have helped in the sense of his popularity. And popularity, not the sense of a discipleship. Be careful of that. There are people today that say they're Christians. They say that they're following God and you can't find their tracks, their trails, following anything about Christ. It's in name only. Christian in name only. We have rhinos and we have, let's see, that would be a Sino, Christian in name only. (laughs) (laughs) Got to watch out for the Sinos, right? I just totally made, I've never said that before. Maybe you should maybe reel out one back in. But literally there are, America is filled with people that say they're Christians, but their life does not in any way, shape, or form follow that. Well, there's a lot of people following Jesus only because of what they've heard about Him and they kind of want to see or feel a little bit more. They've they've, they've heard about him healing. They've heard about him preparing meals. Well, there's something else that had taken place only a few weeks before. And it was in a little town of Bethany. Now, he's at Jericho. This is, again, this is an uphill battle, uphill climb from Jericho to Jerusalem, about 3,500 feet. Bethany was just two or three miles outside of Jerusalem. So it was, again, it would have been on the edge of the hill as you're going down into Jericho. Well, there's an event that took place in Bethany that was really, really mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing. There was two sisters, and they reached out to their friend Jesus. They he said, oh, you need to come. Our brother is really sick. He's really, really sick. And if you could come, I'll bet you could heal him. That's, now, that's by, is there faith there? Yes, there is. But that wasn't as much faith as God really wanted to produce in them by having Jesus come late. I'm thinking in my own life, there's been times that i said, you know, if you would just, like, fix this now, it would be so good. And I believe you can. Yeah, but it was good for God to be, in my words, late because I could see how big he really was. That's what's going to happen here. Because literally their brother, his name was Lazarus. He died. Oh, and you remember Jesus? He told the disciples, well, um, we're going to just wait a little bit because he's actually asleep. And he meant dead, but they thought... Well, then, since we're, and they don't want, they do not want to go to Jerusalem. Well, why don't we just go ahead and let him rest then, and he'll wake up, and it'll all be good, and we don't have to go to Jerusalem, and then we, you won't be in a predicament, where you're probably going to get killed. No, he said, no, we'll go. We're going to go there anyway. And they went just exactly at the right time, which to us would be late. Here comes the two sisters, and they, oh, if you would have only been here. Oh, or, I know if you would have been here, you could have healed him. I know you could have, because I believe that you are the Messiah, <laughs> and then he went, and he said, just roll the stone away. No, 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 we shouldn't do that. Uh, really, he's been dead for three or four days. That would be, that would be an ill-timed move. No, he says, just, just roll the stone away. Lazarus, come out. I mean, what do you think the crowd's doing? Ooh, this guy is delusional. And guess what? Here he comes. And he said, loose him and let him go. Well, that had taken place only a few weeks before his being in Jericho. What do you think the jerichoans I hope that's how we would call an inhabitant of Jericho, the Jerichoans would have heard, that's this guy that brought Lazarus back to life? Ooh, we better pay attention. But the only two we know of that actually trusted, that showed a conversion spiritually, was our blind beggar, and our ruthless, diabolical, criminal Zacchaeus. If there's someone that hears my voice, not only in this place, but anywhere in in airwaves, there is no one that God cannot save. Jesus' blood is adequate to save anyone. Isn't that good to know? He saved a wretch like me. I think of, uh, oh, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, I can't. John John Newton. (laughs) I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And if you studied Mr. Newton's life, he he was worse than a tax collector. (laughs) But you know what? Jesus' mercy, Jesus' grace was big enough to save those guys. And it's big enough for anyone that will place their faith and trust that one that we call Savior. Let's keep reading. Zacchaeus. He sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, in other words, the crowd, because he was little of stature. And you can imagine that. In my mind now I see him as four foot nine and a half. That's what I see him. He's just was a little guy, right? And he's running around. He can't see over. He can't, but, he, but he has this plan somewhere knowing him because he's in, he's in charge. Now, this guy would know things, right? You know he knows things. And somehow he would have got to somebody saying, okay, yeah, that's probably the way they're going to go. This is the thoroughfare. So he runs ahead and gets in this tree so he can look down and see this happening. He's resourceful. And now, the, now, let's be careful. He could have said, oh, this is too hard. I'm too short. I'm just going to go home. I don't care about Jesus anyway. no. Do you see the drive? Did you see that? It's not just curiosity. It's I need to know more about him. See that? That's pretty cool. Let's keep going. I don't know why I set him over here all the time. I do not know that. Here we go. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. See, he would found that out. I like that too. And he ran before. I'm taking this guy to be an older gentleman. He's not 15 or 20. I mean, he's accomplished. He's at the top of the tax collection pyramid, and this I'm going to just see him as 40, 50 years old, and he's running ahead of the crowd to get in the tree, to climb the tree, a 50-year-old. And I don't know that he's 50, but you get what I'm saying. He's a mature man, right? Who would do that? Someone that wants to know more about Jesus, right? That's cool. That's really good stuff. Here we go. He ran, and, and then when Jesus, oh, this is, this, is, this is classic, verse 5. You talk about blow your world. And Jesus came to the place. He looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. I bet he fell out of the tree. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's good it was a low tree. And what did he do? Oh, I don't want to know you that much. Now, this is really, did this get intimate really fast? Wait a minute. He just wants to get in front of the parade, and he wants to just look down and see. I want to see this guy. I want to just see what he looks like. I just want to see what they, I, 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 I've never seen him before. Uh, Zacchaeus, come down. I have to be at your house today. Again, a response could have been. Um, well, let's, let's like, talk about this a little bit. I don't know if I want you in my house, Right? No, he's, he, let's, let's see what he says. It's, it's really cool. He made haste and came down and, jo- and received him joyfully. He's all over this. When they saw it, who's they? The crowd that's following. They all murmured. Murmuring is not a good word. Murmuring is, it's an, it's an, it's an undertone, silent, quiet whine. Okay? They murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. How dare he? And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have taken anything from any man by false accusation. And I restore him fourfold. Now, there's no verse. See, for us, you'd like to see a verse between seven and eight, wouldn't you? You'd like to see just a little bit. But it's obvious that Jesus went to his house, and they would have had a dialogue. They would have had a conversation, and I know Jesus would have just shared. He would have went right to the heart of the thing. He said, Zacchaeus, that's where that's where it is. That's what it's all about, right there. It's about your heart, your heart. Now, his response was what was in verse 8. Behold. And when we see that word behold, it's like, whoa, watch out. This is different. This is brand new. Lord, did you catch that word? Let's, look, let's read it again. Verse 8. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Now, we know that he's rich, so half of them. Okay, you can live without half, right? You can, so he, he dishes those off to the poor. And then it says that if I've cheated anyone... If you're a tax collector, you cheated everybody. <laughs> his form would have been simple. What did you make last year? Send it all. <laughs> right? That would have been his form. And he, he was collecting for the government plus anything he could get for himself. That was, the, that was what was so despicable. Guess what? Jesus picked one of those guys to be a disciple. What was his name? Matthew. Matthew. Maybe that's why Matthew didn't pick up on Zacchaeus. He didn't mention him in his gospel. But you know what? I'm wondering do you think Matthew could have been a friend of Zacchaeus? I don't know that, but you know how that is. Those guys know one another, right? And probably Matthew would have said, Zacchaeus, we're in Jericho. You need to meet this guy. He's changed my life. Did that happen? I don't know. But it, it seems interesting that the interest. Of it, see, this is where it all comes back to us. When God changes our lives, we should be open, not caring about what the crowd says, saying, you need to get to know Jesus Christ. He's changed me. He can change you. Someone got interest going in Zacchaeus. Yes, the Spirit's working. Yes, God is working in his life. Yes, God is pushing out, seeking whom is lost. In fact, that's the most cool verse we'll ever see. I'll see it in just a moment. But I'm wondering, did Matthew play a role in that? That guy's kind of bent on wasp there. Yeah, you just live right there, guys. You're doing good. I might just crack the door for my sake and uh, just see if they might want to exit. There's two of them. At any rate, that's a good point. That's a good point. Who thought of that? That's a thinker. Whoever said that, yeah, don't let any more in, right? So. That's right. And he's going to lose. That's right. In fact, if he wants to listen to the gospel, we'll just let him listen, one way. Yeah. At any rate, where were we at? Talking about Zacchaeus. Oh, I know, sharing our faith. See, I'm convinced that someone had to tell Zacchaeus about Jesus. Had to. He knew too much. He wanted to know more. See, and I've, we've, been, we've been doing a book in True Seekers. It's called uh, Tactics, written by Gregory Kuchel. And one of the things that he states in there, is, which is so good, sometimes we want to go right to the harvest. You know, we, we, want, to, we want to save people. And I, be careful how I say it. You're not going to save anyone. Right. That's God's work. That's his business. But this guy says, you know what? Not every event is a harvest. We need a lot more gardeners, weed pullers, seeders, waterers, fertilizers. We need those people that are just... And then this is what he says. If you ever had that one grain of sand in your shoe, it feels like it's a boulder, Right? He says, I want to just have a question, a thought, not even necessarily statements, usually a question. And I'm, I'm much the same way. Just ask a question. Don't, don't, you don't have to be on defensive. You don't have to do anything. But he says, I want to put that stone in their shoe that they have to deal with. Isn't that good? That's so good. That's literally what Jesus Christ could do, too. Even when they came trying to put him down. Remember the Pharisees, they came over in Perea and they said, What do you say about divorce? Jesus, oh, set him up. Is that not like set you up? You know, I, we just got John the Baptist beheaded by him taking on, you know, Herod. And let's just try the same thing with Jesus. Maybe he can take care of our problem. And what did Jesus say? What does the Bible say? Oh, well, <laughs> I've never thought about that, right? <laughs> These are the religious leaders. What does the Bible say? Isn't that a great question? I mean, it's fantastic. And by the way, it buys time. It lets you just unfold and let this thing go a little further. Statements in in and of themselves fast and early in a, a, I'm going to say a debate, a good debate. I'm not debating to the fence, just winning. Winning, if anyone gets mad, you've lost. You get it? You've lost. That's not what it's about. But when you can have a debate, when you can visit, when you can, you know, put that little stone in their shoe. Oh, it's so effective, isn't it? And someone must have done that with Zacchaeus. Somebody was gardening with Zacchaeus. For him to run ahead, to get in a tree, and literally hang out to see who Jesus is, and then for Jesus, that must have just struck him. And when Jesus showed up at that home, the rest of the world said, oh, can you believe this Jesus guy? Now, wait a minute. It's the same Jesus that just healed, not healed, well, he healed blind Bartimaeus, but he also raised Lazarus from the dead. I think he's real. I think he's the real deal. And then he says something. This, this verse is probably as key and paramount to the Scriptures as any one. Verse 9. Now, he's unfolded. I, again, I want to say Zacchaeus is basically trying to make this all right. I should stop. Let's just go back for a moment. Where did he get this fourfold stuff from? I'm not going to have you go there, but, if, but write it down in your notes if you want to check on the Exodus chapter 22, verse 1. There are, four, there are three different things that is talked about in the sense of repaying when there's been some sense of either oversight or you've actually stolen, or actually through the sense of destruction and very overextending from the sense of extortion. One is 20% more, one is two times, and then in Exodus chapter 22, verse 1, it actually is four times. Zacchaeus is saying this, I want to go to the max. I want to do everything that even the law would have even, even thought about doing to make it right with the people that I've extorted. Now, what does that tell me? What did it tell Jesus? This is a heart change. Now, is that why he's saved? Because he... No, 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 no. He is, his faith now is active. He's now taking effect what has happened internally on the same day. Don't you love that? This guy's life has changed that day. And then Jesus responds with this. Verse 9. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham... For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That verse, verse 10, is what the entire gospel is all about. That's entirely what Jesus came for. That's entirely what God as our Father set out to happen. You talk about a father. Today being Father's Day, we think in the sense of earthly fathers. And if that's something else, do we need a rise up in our fathers? I look at the incarceration rate. Those people that are, that are being inhabiting prison almost, it's a huge percentage, over 85% of those people, those, those men and women that are serving incarcerated, they did not have a father in their home. That's why God put Adam and Eve together. Not Adam and Steve, Adam and Eve. And when we don't get it right, wrong happens. Praise God for fathers that are following, like blind Bartimaeus, in this case, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had a lot of wasted years, but today is the beginning of the rest of your life. Today is the rest of your life. Obey God in everything that He unfolds for you by faith. Zacchaeus, what a change. What a change. He offered and honored God by giving Him everything that He was. Blind Bartimaeus gave him everything that he was. Rahab gave him everything he was. And here comes Jesus, the descendant of Rahab. God can do anything when we obey by faith. Isn't that great to know? That's a great God. That's a great God. There are only two other examples, or two other individuals, that actually are saved in the rest of the week that's mentioned to us. Now, let's just think, we've got four. There's two we've covered today. We'll not get into these next week. We're going to look at the fickle crowd next week, the ones that had palm trees, palm branches, and we're saying, what's the right word? Ah. Oh, we'll find out next week. I can't think of it. Hosanna. Hosanna to the king. Hosanna in the highest. And seven days later, actually not even five days later, he said, "Crucify him! Crucify!" What? They were just followers; they weren't disciples. They were sinos. That might catch on. <laughs> Christian in name only. What's the difference? Faith. Faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, not just faith in faith. I keep telling a story, but it's so true. There's an individual. I. Again, I'm not his judge. He's passed away. But he contracted cancer. And I was close enough to him where I could have good conversations. And uh, I said I said his name. I said, how are you doing? He said, I just have to have faith, Larry. I just have to have faith. And I you know, let that go for a little bit. And I said, faith in what? Well, now I was pushing. I could tell. Uh, well, just I have to have faith. I, I just have to have faith. So ultimately, what he was saying then Is my faith is what I'm having faith in. That's not enough. Because that's faith in me. That's faith in you. That's only as big or as valid, as powerful as I am. I said, no, I said, it's got to be, it's bigger than that. It has to be faith in the right person. God, God alone. Because he's the only one that can conquer everything that we are suspect to death and sin. And it got really quiet. But isn't it amazing how many people are just trusting in themselves today? Self was the great lie in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve traded God for self. And it's been going on for (laughs) thousands of years. Blind Bartimaeus had to make a decision. Zacchaeus had to make a decision. The rich young ruler had to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Will you trust Christ? He's seeking you. And no one can say, no one can say, I'm just not good enough. I'm I'm just such a loser. I can't, I'm just, no. No, there's Zacchaeus. He died for you. That's the best news I could possibly give to you. On June 19th, 2022, is Jesus died for you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the examples we use in a city that was inhabited by wealthy individuals. It was a city that was old. It was a city that was primitive in the sense of its age, filled with all kinds of amenities. But only two were mentioned as trusting Christ. As he was passing through his disciples, teaching them on the way, literally a week away now from the time that he would be hanging on a cross, Paying for all of the sin of the world. As John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. How perceptive. How prophetic. But not only just to die for them, Father, which we spoke of earlier. Oh yes, perfect sacrifice. But you, Father, being that perfect Father, that saw that the sin was paid, it was paid in full, the penalty was done. Death was done was finished, you've put the stamp of approval by three days later, rising Jesus Christ from the dead. That resurrection, the greatest miracle ever known, that we'll ever know, not only saves us, but takes us to eternal life for those that trust in Jesus Christ. Just as these two individuals we talked about today. Father, there are two more that surround the time of crucifixion. Two more outcasts, one would have been a thief on the cross, hanging in crucifixion state with Jesus, giving him his heart and trusting in him that day. And then the Roman centurion, watching all of this from below, not knowing anything but saying, the events that took place, truly this was the Son of God. Those that were hated, that were despised, that were despicable in societal terms, literally, Father, Jesus Christ died for just as well. How can we ever thank you enough for the compassion, the love, the meeting out justice? Not giving up justice, love and justice are both of your attributes, but justice was paid through Jesus, God's very Son. God incarnate, deity and man. Oh, Father, we bow at your feet today, humbly, humbly, asking you to make us more like Jesus Christ. If there's someone that does not know Jesus personally, that these moments, just now, in the quietness of their heart, they would just by faith say, Lord Jesus, I have nothing that I can escape death and sin with. I cry out for mercy and for your grace. The payment that you paid, the sin that you bore that was mine, but you paid for it. I trust you, Father, through Jesus, for everything, my life, my will, my mind, my heart, they are yours. Then literally, you have become a new creation. You have become saved. Just as blind Bartimaeus, his life was changed. He followed Jesus. Just as Zacchaeus made it right with those people that he had extorted, that he had cheated, his heart was changed. Father, thank you for having Jesus die for us. Take us where you want us to be, the journey that life has us on. We're here not by accident. We are here for just a time as this. May we reach out to the Zacchaeuses and sharing what we know about Jesus. May we put a stone in their shoe, something they need to deal with, something they need to question, something they need to seek more after God. God, it will be up to you to give us the words, to give us the strength, to give us the wisdom. But, Father, you are worthy of our praise, our worship, and we'll thank you for what you accomplish in our lives because you are God, in Jesus' name.